I'm reading Song of Solomon, chapter 8. If only you were like a brother who was nursed at my mother's breast, then if I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise me. I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house. She who taught me, I would give you spiced wine to drink, the nectar of my pomegranates. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I roused you. There your mother conceived you. There she was in labor and gave you birth. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all of one's wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. We have a little sister, and her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister on the day that she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers. Thus I have become, in his eyes, like one bringing contentment. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Haman, and he let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring it for its fruits a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, and two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. You who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. Come away, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spiced-laden mountains. Greg. Well, welcome. Um, Pastor Matt Proctor, I get to teach God's Word today. Uh, if you're new, I want to welcome you to the last uh, sermon uh, through the Song of Songs. Also, I want to invite you, we have a class uh, about 10:50, 11 o'clock uh, today called a Next Steps class to hear about our church family. Uh, but I just want to just, I don't know if you caught this here at the end of Song of Songs. Um, th- this is a curtain call of, of sorts. Do you guys know what a curtain call is? A number of years ago, we took our family to see Little Mermaid Jr. Uh, with, from Playtime Poppy. You know, and at the end of the show, they all, all the cast members come back on the stage and they do their bows and they have a little bit of background music. And always the last person to come out the curtain call are the main actor or main actress. And so when Ariel comes out, everyone's like, woo, mermaid. What, you're, what you have in this, this, this eighth chapter is a curtain call. All the main characters come back onto the stage. They rehearse some things they've said before. They, they bring home some of the final themes of, of what is love, what is intimacy. And they take a bow, and there's celebration. And I don't know if you caught those last two verses, because they end with a dot, dot, dot says, come, uh, he, the man, the, 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 the male, he says, you who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. I don't know if you caught it, she's been talking to other people at the end. She's talking to the other audience, and she says, let me hear your voice. Draw back to me. And he says, come away, my beloved. Be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. And then off they go. And so whether this is, this is a couple uh, uh, on the reception of their wedding, 
holding hands and walking off in the crowd clapping. Or maybe it's their 25th anniversary and people have celebrated faithful love. Either way, they walk off and marriage is to keep going on and intimacy is to deepen. There's a lot of reasons people would pick up the Song of Songs. You might pick up this book because it's, it's poetry. And poetry is, is, is beauty. It, it captures our affections. It draws our hearts. Where this is placed in the Old Testament, it's placed in the part of Scripture called the wisdom literature. And so you might pick up Song of Solomon and you might look for wisdom. How do I, as a single person, wait for right intimacy? How, as someone dating, am I looking for the right one to, to place a ring upon her finger? Or those who are married, what, what are we supposed to be pursuing? That kind of wisdom. But one of the things you always need to remember about why the Bible was composed is the Bible is composed by human authors through the moving of God upon its authors to be a covenant book. Right? What I mean by that is this is God's instructions, God's will, God's heart for God's people. And so that those who have trusted in God, those who love God, that have found God beautiful and holy and righteous, those who want to walk in step with a God like that will turn to his word, whether it's the Song of Songs or elsewhere. And so it's by grace we have God's word, right, by his gifting. It's by grace that we understand God's word. And then it's by God's grace that we might live his word. It might live out in our lives. A lot of things going on in the Song of Songs, but the, the, uh, chapter 8, but the heart there is in verse 6. The woman is speaking, and she says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. She wants this seal. Um, step back with me for a second. Let's talk about cells. You guys know what cells are, right? The building blocks of all living things. I think we have a picture of cells on this uh, PowerPoint. So maybe, many of you maybe remember learning about cells, right? They have a cell membrane on the outside, a nucleus, smaller parts like ribosomes and lysosomes. I was with a microbiologist on Thursday and Friday, married into the family. He's a brilliant guy, PhD. And I had to ask him if my sermon illustration was legit. It is. <laughs> and here's the point. Every part of, those, of that cell is vital. You need them. And, and it works both ways, right? You can't pull out the nucleus and the cells survive. But you also can't pull out the nucleus and the nucleus survive, right? It's, a, it's an entity. It's, a, it's the building block. You need these things united together for it to work. So this morning, what, what I want us to kind of celebrate and look at here in this eighth chapter is how these, the component parts of marital intimacy, the component parts of sexual intimacy, the component parts of relational intimacy, they need to stay interconnected. You pull them apart, not only would the, 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 the full thing die, but you take off the little thing, that dies too. I think that this is actually illustrated really well in a number of resources. I'll mention two. Uh, for instance, back in 2016, there was a young woman named Leah Fessler. Leah Fessler. Uh, and she wrote an article for Quartz. I think it's on the screen. The title of the article she wrote for Quartz was this. 
A lot of women don't enjoy hookup culture, so why do we force ourselves to participate? That was her article. And what she does in this article is she recounts uh, her own and her college friends, uh, this, the scene, what's called the hookup scene. If you don't understand this 21st century phenomenon, uh, basically a hookup is supposedly a fun, okay, and unharmful thing to have uncommitted sex. Supposedly a hookup can be enjoyably, physically pleasurable, and a lot more freeing than being in a committed relationship or a marriage. But Leah, who, is a, who still is and was then a very strong feminist, looked back and she says, this was not working for my girlfriends. She actually ended up spending her time uh, in school um, doing research, writing a thesis. One of the things she writes in the Quartz article is, is this. So, quote, this is on the next slide. We were desperate to know what it felt like to be wanted, desperate for a chance at intimacy, desperate for a hand held in daylight, for public affirmation of desire, typically expressed only after too many drinks. We were desperate to try commitment and then decide if it wasn't working rather than being prematurely cut off from it. So she saw that this, this beautiful thing of sexual intimacy being pulled out and thrown into the hookup culture, and it, it wasn't fulfilling out here. That was dying over there, but so was what they were ultimately longing for, just for a man to want to hold their hand in a committed relationship. Another fascinating contribution, that's, this book's already 13 years old, and here's, a, here's the cover. It's a, it's, a, it's a book by two medical doctors, and it's entitled Hooked, New Science on How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children. Read the book, but bottom line, uncommitted sex is negatively altering its practitioners biologically in the brain and psychologically in how they relate to other human beings. So all this brings me back to this final chapter, the Song of Songs. And here in verse uh, 6, the woman says, Place me like a seal over your heart. Like a seal on your arm. Now, do you guys know what a seal is? I'm not talking about, ar, ar, not that kind of seal. And not that kind of seal. Um, in the ancient world, uh, seals sometimes were like signet rings, right? Sometimes you've seen these in those really cool movies where you like do the ink and you dip the envelope, right? It's a signet ring. Uh, sometimes there were these little cylinders that you could roll over a document that had your, like your family sign. Um, and so what, what was a seal? A seal was one part identification. It's one part symbol that, on how you make pledges and enter into contracts. So when a woman says, I want to be placed like a seal, she's declaring her desire to share the man's identity, to experience his pledged loyalty. Probably when she says, seal me over your heart, it's this idea of I want, to be, I want, to, I want you to express your sealing, this inward, internal expression of love to me. But then when she says, seal me on your arm, right? this is that public. I want the world to know that we are one. We are, we are together. In Western weddings, uh, we use wedding rings as a symbol of our vows. So too, I believe the sexual act is a symbol of our love. And these, they, these things express something. Whether they intend to or not, they do. Right? It means something if a man leaves on a business trip and he takes off his wedding ring. 
That symbol means something. It means something. In the middle of the fight, a woman takes off her ring and throws it at her man. Right? These signs and seals, they matter. They're not incidental. Similarly, the expression of sexuality between two people, it's not a biological thing. It happens to be also a biological thing, but there's more being expressed of I'm giving myself and vulnerability and whether it's not... It's not like eating. It's not taking care of an appetite. These are signs and seals. You know, I can't, I'm not going to try to prove it biblically, but I'd go as far as to say that the seal, that this expression of desire for a seal is like the nucleus of a healthy marriage. Right? The, other moment, the other components are going to be just as necessary and vital for there to be life, but you need something at the center, something foundational, and, and we know this, the difference between any sort of relationship in marriage is the pledge. It's the vow. I am with you. Till death do us part. I'm with you when you're sick. I'm with you when you age. It takes everything to this whole new level. We're one. We're one forever. You and me are together I'm not just declaring it when the doors are closed and things are hot and heavy. I'm declaring it to the world. You are mine, and I am yours. I think that's how you, you read the, God's original intent and design back in Genesis chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And the first thing you find there is a big one, because that's chapter 1. And then the next big number is 2. And it says this in 2, uh, verse 23. Well, I'll do verse 22. Uh, it says, The Lord God made woman from the rib, and he had taken out the man, and he, he brought her to the man. And the man said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Verse 24. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother, and he is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So you have this public leaving, which is maybe the public seal, the intimate cleaving, this private seal, this expression of the heart. You have sexual union, which is this, uh, this intimate symbol. And these together, they form a marriage. And so the woman in Song of Songs, I want the seal. I want to be sealed on your heart. I want to be sealed on your arm. I want this to be declared publicly. I want it to be declared privately. This seal is so important. In fact, I want to look through the rest of Song of Songs chapter 8, and, and say, like, what are, what, are, what are some three reasons that it, this seal is so significant? Why, why is this necessary and not something you can just disregard and set aside? Three reasons. One, because of the strength of love. Two, because of the value of physical intimacy. And three, because of the long haul of romance. First, we need the seal because of the strength of love. Uh, if you go back into verse 6, it says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. It says in verse 7, many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away. The woman desires this seal because love is not something that should be trifled with. It's as strong as death. 
And jealousy for love's affections is as unyielding as the grave. One of the more fascinating uh, components of Leah Fessler's article in Quartz is she talked about her friends who had assumed, accepted the hookup culture, but then a week later they would see a man that they had been with for one night a week before with another woman, and these, cra- these, these cries of jealousy came forth. Like in their head, they're like, I know it was uncommitted and there was no promises made, but I have this jealousy now. How dare he do that? Jealousy needs legitimacy. And what I mean by that is husbands and wives, like it is appropriate to be jealous for the affections of your spouse. It is not appropriate to be jealous of the affections of not your spouse. But there, the seal makes the, gives a place and, a, and, a, and a, uh, a boundary on where jealousy and the strength of love can have its place. And, and notice it says love is as strong as death. I, I think that's, it's, it's no wonder that when God wanted to express his love for us, he does it through the death, through a death. Maybe you guys know Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love is as strong as death. Interesting, it says that love's flame burns mightily. This is maybe, right, scholars debate, the only place where God is mentioned in Song of Songs. Because the word mightily ends with an expression, Yah, which is where we get Alleluia, Yah, praise the Lord. So it could be as strong as, 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 as mighty as the Lord Yahweh. That is how bright the flame of love is. God is the ultimate foundation of all love. His love is the spark that made the world. His love is the power source of every flicker of love. This this is actually captured well in a poem by Robert Browning, and I'll read you just a bit. The title of it is, Any Wife to Any Husband. This is that where love is from the flame of God. He writes, It would not be because my eye grew dim, Thou couldst not find the love there, thanks to him, who never is dishonored in the spark. He gave us from his fire of fires and bade, remember whence it sprang, nor be afraid, while that burns on, though all the rest grow dark. Right? Love is a fire from God himself. It needs, though, then deep loyalty, professions of security, signs and seals of promise, to protect this powerful force. Without such sealing, without such commitment, love is this restless, dangerous energy out in the world, right? It's like a, it's like, like a raging river without banks. It's like a fire without a hearth, without a fireplace. And it can destroy and it can overwhelm. But the seal works to contain the power of love for those in marriage. Think about this, married people. The seal, it protects us from flights of romantic fancy. The seal directs our loves and affections back to our spouse. I don't just let my feelings go wherever they might lead. No, there's there's boundaries and they've been set. I'm going to seal them for my spouse. For those outside of marriage, the importance of this seal says, until you can make that sort of covenant promise, guard your hearts. Keep back some secrets. Preserve 
intimacy, things related to your body, until you can have that seal. Before I move on to the next idea, I just want to talk kind of frankly for those who are married. I, I just assume in a room of this size that um, some spouses maybe have forgotten their vows. You haven't sealed, you maybe need to do a fresh sealing of your heart. Maybe you're moving a little too close to a relationship with someone at work. Maybe you're hiding some relationship, some dating app from your spouse. You, you think maybe you're not in love with your spouse anymore, and so maybe it feels like you can kind of open your heart to someone else. Uh, the Bible calls all of these longings adultery. You have been sealed for one. It's dangerous, it's morally wrong, it's devastating to yourself and your family. I'll just say to those who are married, remember your seal and turn back to your spouse. And whenever, whenever you come to yourselves, know also that we have a heavenly father who's willing to forgive and bring us back home. But love is so strong, it needs a seal, so honor that seal. Another purpose for the seal is this. A seal expresses a proper regard for the value of physical intimacy. Look with me again at verses 7 through 10. 7 says, Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. And then there's this little dialogue from the friends. It sounds like you know maybe some older brothers. We have a little sister, and her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister? on the day she is spoken for. If she is a wall, we'll build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we'll enclose her with panels of cedar. And then the woman says, well, I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers. Thus I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. So in short, first idea is, like real love can't be bought. People who think so should be scorned, Intimacy is something given, not taken. Intimacy is a gift. It's not a commodity. But that little interchange with the, the, the friends talking about their sister and the woman's reply, what's going on? So most likely, right, you got these brothers saying, we need some counsel. What do we, what do we want to pass on to the young ladies that we're, we're, we feel a measure of protection and care for? Uh, and the conclusion is somewhat logical, I think, but you have to kind of think about poetry. Poetry's hard, <laughs> They use, the term, they use the term door versus wall. Door versus wall. So, if it seems that we have a girl who is quick to open the door of her heart and body, the family should build walls of protection. Some of this is personality. Some of this is interest. But the idea, if there's, someone's kind of this open door to body and soul, easy to give away, you, you say, hey, how do we build some careful, protective walls for her heart and her body? Right? But, it, but if the girl herself is a wall, right? she's guarding herself, it says it's to the family's credit to make sure her beauty is known as towers of silver. I love that image. Right? That if you have this modest girl who's guarding her heart, there is something to be said that the community who love her cover her in silver. Make sure everyone sees that this is a beauty that the world might not capture, but this is precious metal. This is something to prize. 
We want to protect our ladies from predators. We want to put forth those who are walking in step with wisdom and godliness. But the way I'm going to be praying is is for the heart of the woman that's in verse 10. Did you catch what she said? This is really beautiful. She says, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. And thus I've become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. So she's using the same imagery and she says, hey, I've developed. That's what she's saying, right? I'm, I'm a woman now, but I'm also a wall. Now, this is a mature woman at all sense of those terms. There's a, there's a moral, spiritual maturity. There's a physical maturity. But notice what it, what it offers. This is beautiful. Like one bringing contentment. Some of your translations use the word peace. When a woman walks with this kind of chastity, and chastity doesn't, doesn't just mean not having sex. Chastity is a, is a quality of moral purity, a quality of walking with God. And a woman like that brings peace and contentment to her man. And vice versa, men. When you're marked by chastity and purity and guarding your heart and your affections and your body for your future spouse or your current spouse, you bring peace and contentment to your bride. It's a gift that when we're walls, when we're guarding ourselves, preserving ourselves, sealed with our affections to go in the right direction, it is a wonderful, treasured gift. But when it's not there, and those of you who've gone through seasons in your marriage or in dating where relationships broke up because of flirting or something more, you know how quickly the contentment is gone and how the peace is shattered. So one of the reasons why we seal our hearts is because Chastity, purity, has this priceless value to it. I mean, you could see this just even in the secular world. I mean, did you guys read about this in the last year where Kanye West asked his Kardashian wife, would you just not show yourself so much to the world? Would you not sell yourself for a few more internet clicks? Now, this doesn't mean a woman should go like from daytime frumpy to like nighttime nighty. I don't think that that's kind of the wisdom here. (laughs) You know, it simply expresses the value of a person's chastity before and after marriage. Chastity is a virtue that means to be separate and pure. It's modesty before and after marriage. It's sexual fidelity before and after marriage. It's wisdom for a godly man. It's wisdom for a godly woman. And it brings peace. I just want to look one last, at this, little, this, this uh, last little thing. Again, the woman is speaking, verse 11. She's going on about how she's a wall. And she said, Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Haman. He let out his vineyards to tenants. Each was, bring, each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, and 200 are for those who tend its fruit. Uh, So I've been persuaded that I think scholars get this right. This is one of the few times Solomon throws himself in here, and he throws himself in here in a bad light. Do you catch what he's saying about himself? I'm this great owner of vineyards, and I can't take care of them all. And if you guys have been with us for the Song of Solomon's for eight chapters, you know that this isn't a literal vineyard. Vineyard and garden have been these expressions all throughout about intimacy and sexuality. 
Solomon says, I've had lots of it. And you know what she says? You're not getting mine. It's really powerful. Keep your money. I can't be bought. I won't be bought. Sorry, Solomon, you miss out. This poetic mystery man, he gets my heart and he gets my body. I love it. Because you can't put a price tag on this. Just ask someone who's paying the price for adultery or for a porn addiction. Just ask someone who knows after the fact that they offered their body for something far less than love. Peek back to all those men and women in Leah Fessler's article that realized casual sex cost too much and delivered far too little. And you add to that, the Bible is going to speak of all sexual activity outside of marriage as morally evil. That's what's been going on. But before you think, and again, I don't know your past, I just know a little bit about my past. So before you think that you're damaged goods, before you think that maybe you've gone too far, before you think you've paid a price that leaves you in debt forever, know that God loves you with a deep and abiding love. And as Christians, one of the greatest things that we preach is that Christ has paid all our debts. There's no more debts that you owe when you trust in Jesus. He receives you and loves you, and part of his love is to wrap you up and cover the shame. Cover your, cover your broken soul and begin to rebuild it. I love how the prophet Isaiah uh, talks about this. This is just the next book, Isaiah 62. Let me just read to you verses 3 through 5. These were, I needed to hear these verses this week. I hope they're ministered to you. Got to remember, Isaiah is talking to a people who've been under God's judgment, a broken people, people who have faced uh, violence, people who have been ripped out of their homes and their lives. And Isaiah the prophet speaks God's words of promise, and he says, You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or your name or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah. And your land, Beulah, which those two words, one means my delight is in her and the other means married. For the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married as a young man marries a young woman. So will your builder marry you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. So will your God rejoice over you. Hear this. This is such a beautiful picture. No matter how broken you are, no matter how much judgment you feel that you've faced so far, God says through his grace, he takes you as a bride. This isn't a begrudging God going, I gotta take those people back again. Right? This is, a, this is a, a groom chasing down his bride. I love you, I receive you, I delight in you. Another prophet says God sings over you. This is the God of grace and mercy and restoration. So no matter what price that you have paid and you carry this debt, here's the thing, Jesus paid a greater price to buy you back. And he calls you a, a, a crown of splendor in his hand. Right? I, I have to, some of us work really hard to just to try to be publicly presentable and we still doubt it when we go out in public. But God doesn't see us that way. By the grace of Jesus Christ, we're a crown of splendor in his hand. He doesn't put up with us. He delights in us. So again, whatever price that you feel that you've paid, 
Christ has paid a greater Christ has paid a greater price to bring you back to walk with him. And guess what? He seals us. He seals us. Let me go on to a third reason why the seal is central. One, because of the strength of love. Two, because of the value of physical intimacy. And then finally, the seal is this there for the long haul of romance. And that's that verses 13 and 14. It's the dot, dot, dot. We're going to run off again, my young stag. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep pressing on. We're going to keep still looking at each other's eyes after 40 years of marriage. I'm going to hold your hand, even if I'm holding your hand, until you take your last breath. Only a seal preserves that kind of long haul of romance. And that's what God wants. In many ways, again, this curtain call, right, They're there, they're all there. I could just see the crowd as this couple holds it in their hand and they walk away, they're just clapping. Like, this is so awesome. How many of you guys have been to a 50-year wedding anniversary? You been to one of those? Have you guys been to a 60-year wedding anniversary? I mean, we should like, we should should be like like Catholic, like, like kiss their wedding rings, right? Be like, wow, that is so beautiful. That's so amazing. And so we want, to, we, want to, we want the seal to, to, to this picture of lasting forever. And I know, I know this is why, you know, when Paul is writing about husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, he just steps back and he says, this is a mystery. This is Christ in the church. What's going on in a husband and wife at its best is this is pointer to God's eternal love for his people through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is this godly groom. He seeks out the bride. He is perfectly loving. He is perfectly chaste. His home of origin is the Trinity. And Jesus comes to the world to save the estranged people. The bride who got nervous and ran away chases her down. I love you. We have chosen false loves and false lovers, and yet he seeks to woo us back by his mercy and his grace. And in some ways, the cross is like God's valentine to a dead and dying world. This is how much I love you. Come to this cross again. I wonder, have you turned your heart over to God? Have you let God seal you with his love? Some of you have publicly profess your faith through baptism. If you haven't done this, just to remind you, baptism is the, the public sign and seal of God saving you. But, but let me just re- let say this again. It's his sign and seal of saving you. It's his promise and pledge over you. That's why you receive baptism. You don't take baptism. God gives you this sign and seal. You are mine. You've been received. You've been washed. You've been dead. You've now been made alive. And that's just the beginning. It's going to keep going with God. It's the long haul of romance. The ongoing pursuit is to continue forever and ever, and even death can't stop it because Jesus rose from the dead. So when I think about the long haul of romance, I I think about the last chapter in C.S. Lewis's book, The Final Battle. 
You guys read this book? You need to read these books. If you haven't read these books, read the Bible and then these books. But in the fi- toward the end of the book, several characters, they reach to what appears to be heaven, and there's Jewel the Unicorn. And Jewel the Unicorn, riding up in heaven, says this, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it. Come further up and further in. I love that. Further up and further in. Now, I believe that's, that's the whole Christian life. And it just doesn't stop at death. It just gets sweeter in heaven. But those who walk with God, it's this long haul of romance. Come further up. Come further in. And when you get distracted and lost, come back. For God's grace is sufficient. For your marriage to survive, you need God. (laughs) For you to walk faithfully in singleness, you need the Lord. So come further up and further in. Because what we see in the best of marriages is a small picture of what, what can be true of our union with God. Strong love, deep intimacy, and a long-haul commitment. It's so worth it. Who's coming with me? Right? Can you see, like, heaven is on the horizon. Can you see Christ is calling? And then remember, when we get there, we're going to say, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up and further in. Let me pray. Father in heaven, you are so good, and your love endures forever. God is love. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for love. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Love is patient and kind. It's, it's not boastful or arrogant or proud. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Lord, we thank you that we have just a small picture of what love is uh, through marriages, but we have a sweet seal perfect sign in your son of what love is and so may the son receive glory and honor today may we come back to him personally may we come back to him corporately and then out of that abiding relationship with god would we love as you have loved in jesus name amen amen